Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, this is Michael Jansen. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution. Creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship that you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and I suspect that you do, (laughs) then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger, deeper, and longer. If you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. Also, while you're on their website, uh, let me point out the fact that there are some valuable resources um, free to download the marketing guidebook for the modern insurance agency, I think relatively uh, very recently released, and grow your agency with email uh, marketing. Go to agencyrevolution.com, get a demo, download free resources. So, boom. Uh, thrilled to um, introduce you to my conversation with today's guest, Jeremiah Damaris. Jeremiah has, um, well, let me put this into perspective. I, I realize, patient listeners, that I tend to uh, and have been focusing a number of conversations recently on looking at the future, uh, the trends and the forces, so that you can make decisions now in order to thrive 18 months from now or 12 months from now or 24 months from now. And, uh, but every now and then, gosh and gollies, I feel the same way. We need to like dig in what's happening right now. Give me something juicy. (laughs) Give me something kind of tactical, not just strategic. Uh, And, uh, and, and a lot of agents feeling, Hey, I'm ready for um, a, a little bit of a how to, on today's marketing. Well, that's what we're doing today. Uh, Jeremiah, um, long dear friend of mine in the marketing world. And I, I realized the other day when I was talking to him that we have so much fun, just a couple of guys who've been at marketing for a long time, talking marketing. And I just wanted to share some of that conversation. So I asked Jeremiah, hey, would you be willing to share some of the things you're thinking about and doing right now that are really working? And he said, yes, absolutely. And so uh, a few key points that you're going to get from this conversation, a terrific tool, a, um, a, a conceptual way to gain control of your time, to really make sure that you are... Y- leveraging your time in the most effective manner possible. Boom. Uh, I mean, that's, it's simple, but it's really powerful. And, and I'm going to encourage you not just to listen to it. I'm going to encourage you to take a few minutes and do it. So we talk about that in the beginning of the conversation. You'll know what I'm talking about. He also delivered some killer practical tips on using LinkedIn for organic growth, lead generation, filling your pipeline, and some killer tips on using webinars, well, for nurturing your existing customers and getting new customers. So without much further ado, let me also please remind you, um, be the right thing to do. Follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. So next time you're in front of your computer, think, ah, Michael Jans. Let's make those connections once and for all. <laughs> and you can talk to me. I can't get back to everybody, but uh, I, I really do try. If you've got an insight, if you've got a request, if you've got a thought about how we can improve the podcast or a guest that I should be bringing in, let me know. I'm happy to do that. A lot of my guests come from not necessarily my Rolodex of friends and colleagues, but recommendations from listeners. Um, you can do the same thing with uh, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And uh, I'll also ask you this from my heart. If this has been meaningful for you, 
um, our ongoing conversation. If you'd be kind enough to go on your podcast platform, wherever you listen to us, um, Apple or wherever, and give us a five-star review, I'd be so grateful for that. I haven't asked for that in a long time. And typically when I do, people think, yeah, it's the right thing to do. And I think it is. <laughs> uh, also, um, I, I, I've recently put some things that some valuable resources on my website. Uh, I've refreshed it. Uh, it's, uh, it's new. Visit me at michaeljans.com. I've recently posted just a, a slightly past beta version of my five levels survey, which is intended to help agencies and agency principals uh, discern where they are currently right now in the five levels of the modern insurance agency. So visit me at michaeljans.com. All right. Um, well, now, without further ado, it's my uh, privilege to introduce you to this conversation with Jeremiah Demeray. Jeremiah, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's an honor. Um, well, honor for me to have you here. So let's uh, let's start with this. Uh, obviously, my listeners may not know you as well as I do. Give a little bit of background about um, who you are and what you've been up to to get us to this point. <laughs> sure. My least favorite thing, talking about myself. Why don't you oh, kick it off with on. that, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I had the great privilege of uh, starting young in one uh tech company that focused on insurance after another. And the first company that I was a part of ended up stumbling into lead generation for the insurance space. Um, and I went from employee number six to employ to uh, seeing that company grow to well over 100 now, 900 employees. And we were generating about 250,000 leads every single month. That sounds like a great accomplishment, but I will uh, tell you that I made a massive amount of mistakes along the way and probably could have avoided a lot of pain and saved a lot of money had we not known what we know now. Uh, but imagine, but, from, but but think about how much you learned from all that pain and suffering. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, I've learned so much from my mistakes, I'm planning on making a few more. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> there, there is some truth to that, right? Yeah. And uh, okay. from there, I went off to, uh, I think, a company a lot of your listeners may know, Applied Systems, where mm -hmm. I worked with Bain Capital to increase the sales of their um, core product line over the space of a year. And, the, the management systems? Uh, that's correct. Uh, okay. Yeah, TAM and Epic and right. some of those softwares that many people are familiar with now. And um, we did really well with that in the space of a year. And then just not long after that, the company was sold uh, from Bain for a little over a billion dollars. Then I started, um, I, re I learned that you know, one of the key ways that we helped to grow those companies was through education, that I'm a big believer in education-based marketing. And those experiences taught me that you can really build a loyal tribe of uh, people who follow your brand or your message or who believe in your mantra by leading with value first, right? Not charging for anything up front, but really leading with value. So what we've done uh, in the past several years is taken that experience, put it into a platform called Advisorist. Uh, where we do, you know, weekly free trainings called the Virtual Advisor Power Hour, where we get hundreds of agents and advisors together every week to uh, share up-to-date tactics and techniques without charging any money. Uh, and then we also offer higher level coaching and membership programs for those that want to take it to the next level. Very good. Um, so... Uh, what made me think that this was going to be an important conversation as I was reflecting on the kind of conversations that you and I might have offline, where essentially it's like uh, a couple of guys who have been doing marketing for some decades um, talk marketing. And at least, you know, I think for you, you and I, we recognize um, it's not only fun, but it's an important conversation. We're really talking about what are what's happening right now? What are the trends and forces? What are the principles that are driving growth in the organizations that we work with? So I thought, gosh, yes, it's uh, it's not fair for me to keep Jeremiah, you know, quiet in my conversations. Let's let's make some of that conversation public. Um, but rather than just being a kind of back and forth, uh, I really want to focus mostly, Jeremiah, on what your current observations are, what your insights are, and in in the world in which you operate, 
uh, insurance agents and uh, financial advisors um, what's working in the area of marketing. So where do you want to start with that? Sure. It's interesting what I'm actually thinking about right now and what I've actively been working on for myself, my team, and our clients is how to make marketing more a part of the conversation, but also part of the actions that are taken by advisors and agents on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And you probably won't be surprised, Michael, because you're very much a systems guy. I'm sure you and I both subscribe to the belief of you know, the 20% of things that make 80% of the difference. Um, but what I've really been focusing on is delegate and elevate. Delegate and elevate. And the reason we're focusing so hard on that is because what we've experienced is when an agent or an advisor learns a new technique, a hack, a trick, a system, a strategy, uh, it's extremely empowering when they their eyes light up and they say, wow, you know, I didn't realize I could do so much with webinars or mm-hmm. Facebook ads or Facebook Live or YouTube marketing. Uh, but inevitably, it goes into the pile of the hard drive of all that cool stuff that they downloaded for years or that course that sits on the shelf that yeah. they spent thousands of money like when you were doing quantum, right? People would spend yeah. thousands of dollars to go and see you and learn from you. And then they, and then how many people actually went home and, and executed A to Z? Or even every, A to B. Every, every single customer of mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I recall, this just goes back earlier in my career. I, and it, back when we were doing two boot camps a year. So this was a long time ago. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. a couple of decades. And, uh, and a, after boot camp, uh, you know, agents are coming up and, you know, we're, they're, we're saying goodbye. And one of them shows me his, um, his legal pad. He says, Michael, I have 11 pages of notes and stuff I'm going to do. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get home. And then I saw him six months later and I said, Hey, Fred, uh, tell me about those 11 pages of action items. And he was like, you know, kind of gets long face and it's like, man, I just had, didn't have the time. And so, uh, I realized that, um, even, you know, you talk about keeping the conversation about marketing alive. I think it's, uh, for agents, one of the problems is they do have, um, a lot of other things that get in the way, right? They have other business obligations that get in the way. So that probably circles back to your delegate and elevate principle. So tell me where you're going with it. Yeah. So what we've started doing is teaching the concept of delegate and elevate uh, to help agents realize that they're doing so many activities that are below their pay grade, which is not an insult. It's not saying, you're t- it's not a matter of being too good for something. It's a matter of putting you in the places in your business where you get the most passion and you're actually a really amazing at. And for okay, most so, eight, mm-hmm. yeah, well, from- so I, yeah, this is a really interesting topic for me because there, I, um, you know, one of the I think the common problems I see is one, it, there isn't a strong history of marketing in insurance and PNC agencies. That's changing now, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe maybe we had some influence on that. Uh, that's changing now. And so, uh, you know, often what happens is um, nothing happens. Yeah. Right? And and because marketing is, you know, let, let, let's face it, it's an industry that has a fairly good reputation for sales and not a terribly good reputation for marketing. And so, yeah, often... Uh, nothing happens, and and, the, and and internally within the agency, the whole conversation about marketing dies. So what do you do about that? So a very simple framework that we're teaching right now is to divide, take a sheet of paper at its simplest level and just create a line down the middle, uh, up and down, and then create a line down the middle from left to right. And in the top left-hand corner, you write down the activities in your agency that you absolutely love doing and that you're great at. And then on the top right-hand corner, you write, you like to do it and you're good at it, but you don't necessarily love it. In the bottom left-hand corner, you don't like this activity. Unfortunately, you're good at it. (laughs) And then, Uh, (laughs) right? We all have those. Yeah. Uh, And then in the bottom right, you don't like the activity and you are absolutely not good at it. And what's uh-huh. interesting is when you look at those those four quadrants, 
most people, most agents are spending their days and their lives in the bottom quadrant. And, and they have little bright spots during the week where they actually to get to do something they love, which I've learned. This is a very compassionate and empathetic tribe, the tribe of the insurance agent, because many of them started off very small solopreneurs. They got good because they, they, they started getting an inbound of referrals because they really took great care. And those people are few and far between and end up taking the lion's share. So they grew their business on referrals because they were amazing at it. And then they never really thought about marketing. And so they get in, now they get uh, caught up with client servicing, with um, all the little minutia that takes them away from the thing they love to do, which is sitting in front of somebody, you know, aligning mm-hmm. with them, getting on the same side of the table and truly serving them at the highest level. And so what we've learned is when we can help people, and by the way, the place to start is in the bottom right-hand corner, is eliminating those activities you don't like and you're not good at. And, you know, a long time ago, one of my mentors uh, taught me every problem you have is the answer to somebody else's prayer. Ah, okay. <laughs> Especially if there's a paycheck that goes along with it. Yeah. Is that so, part, I mean, part of it, right? So that's that's the delegation principle. Exactly. So uh-huh. if you think about it, you know, those, like, for example, we had a class last week and an advisor says, man, I hate running illustrations. And I said to him, I totally get it. You're probably, so I said, what is it you love to do? He says, I love being in front of people and really helping them. I said, I got you, man. That's what I enjoy doing. So I said, let me ask you this, this minutia of running your illustrations or running your quotes, right? Whatever industry you're in. Right. Um, do you think that there's probably at least 10,000 people out there who love to live in the world of minutia, of illustrations? of data, of following, waking up every morning and following a little SOP where they can check the box and do that every day? He goes, absolutely. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, that's absolutely true. In fact, 80% of the world, if you study you know, psychology and personality types, 80% of the world are guardians or what they call stabilizers, people who typically work mm-hmm. in governments, which also we find a lot of them in insurance. They're right. just people who like to follow a little process, wake up, do a little SOP, and work through it. So why are you spending your time on that? And and this goes back to the conversation about marketing, Michael, is that once people start to slowly cross off the items in the bottom right, then they move to the bottom left. That's when the real power of marketing comes in. Because as you know, and you've been really good at in your career and what you've taught is when you show up and are passionate and you truly are yourself, through content, videos, podcasts, whatever the medium is, right? people say, I get that guy or that girl. I want to work with that person. So really, it's about creating that space, interestingly enough, where effective marketing can happen. Got it. All right. So when people go through this exercise, so it's it would seem that one of the objections that somebody might have is, oh, my gosh, you're just going to make me hire more people. How do you respond to that? Well, the answer is yes and no. Yeah. Yes, you should hire somebody if what you're trying to get them to do is an hourly wage that is below what you are earning right now. So mm-hmm. let's say, for example, you know, you average out your yearly income to yourself. Now, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about top line revenue. I'm just talking about what you take home, right? Yeah. And let's say that averages out to $40 an hour. That means, in my mind, you shouldn't be doing any activity that's lower than $40 an hour. So if you can find somebody to run reports, create illustrations, write your SOPs for 20 bucks an hour, then I would pass that off right away. And it doesn't mean you have to hire them to do it for life. There's so many hungry people, especially now with lockdown and the changes in the unemployment. This is the time right now to find A players to join Ah, your team. It'll be very happy to do so even on a contract basis. So in your model, you call it delegate and uh, elevate. It seems that uh, sometimes one of the objections that entrepreneurs have is that nobody else can do it as well as I can. How do you, how do you talk, talk about the second part of your principle, elevate? Yeah, and I think that that's a, um, 
that's a, a story that we tell ourselves. I've, I've told myself that story many, many times. Sure. Right. Um, and I've, I've broken through that limiting belief by realizing that if I could have five people operate at 80% of Jeremiah, I'm still going to be 400% further than 100% of Jeremiah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so good. if you're a yeah. true agency leader and uh -huh. you understand that principle of, of elevation, the goal is to always keep firing yourself, Michael. The goal is to keep removing yourself from things that you're not passionate, you're not good at, that you so, so like. So you just show up and you do the things that you love to do. In fact, uh, once uh, last week on that same class, actually, no, on the, the second class I had, a different advisor came on and he's like, Jeremiah, I just want to be like a brain surgeon. And I said, tell me more. Mm -hmm. He goes, what I want to do is say, think about the brain surgeon. When the brain surgeon shows up to operate, they don't do the cutting. They don't do the opening. They don't do the anesthetic. They don't clean the, the ER. They don't do any of that stuff. What they do is they walk in. Everything is set for them. They do their highly nuanced, extremely specialized skill. And then when that's done, everyone else finishes the job for them. And I said, that's a great way to think about the best places you want to show up in business and in life. Because I don't think anybody became an insurance agent because they loved working 80 hours a week. You know, I think that we all got into this business, Michael, because we're <laughs> highly independent. Mm -hmm. We love lifestyle. And we don't want anybody to tell us how much we can earn. We want to control that. And part of, gr of that personal growth process is, is really creating that lifestyle vision for yourself, where true lifestyle is about not just having the money, but having the time to do the things that are important to you. Right. So I think that that's where delegation and elevation. And I want to be clear too that you know I didn't come up with this model. It's a model I had to learn. There's mm -hmm. an EOS framework that works really well with that. But it's a concept taught across many many different um, industries and verticals and so forth. But I just love the simplicity of it. In fact, we're taking our team like right now. The leaders who work with me in Advisorist are going through that process right now. And what I'm noticing is that when they show up to work, they're a lot happier and they actually come up with more creative ideas to solve problems because we've eliminated that bottom right-hand quadrant. And you know, what's kind of funny is we actually found people in our team that, you know, our leaders bottom right was actually their top left. That's something they love to do and they're great at. <laughs> oh, really? Oh yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Um, well, the, uh, I think uh, an item of good news, a factoid of good news is that it seems, according to the research, that the fastest growing position in the property and casualty agency industry is, quote unquote, the marketer. Whether that is taking a CSR one day a week, eight hours, eight hours a week, or hiring somebody part time or engaging somebody from Upwork or Fiverr and, you know, getting them on contract for a while or, you know, bringing somebody new in and, and ultimately elevating that person to 40 hours a week. I think there's a, a simply a growing recognition and, and there is research that will support this, that agencies that are marketing are growing faster than agencies that are not marketing and the, um, the barrier uh, it, the log jam is usually the principle, as it is with so many entrepreneurial enterprises, is that the principle has so much going on and now there's this whole new skill set. I do think that, and I think you'd probably agree, that it's um, valuable, if not imperative, that the principle, the leadership, understands uh, the principles of marketing, understands um, generally what's working and what's not, um, and uh, to some extent probably has a direct a direct report management relationship to marketing, but there are a lot of elements of marketing which are, like you said, SOP. And once the strategy is designed, um, the follow through largely can be done um, under instruction with grow a growing amount of license over time, which frees up the principal even more um, and frees up the marketer who becomes better uh, to do uh, more effective and more creative marketing. So I think to some extent, that's really good news. And your exercise is a really great way for agents to wake up, to, to see what's standing between where they are right now and where they want to be. What are the barriers? And their use of time 
and their oh the unleashing of of the high leverage skills like marketing um uh your exercise really brings that to the fore so thanks for sharing that um what what else are you thinking about these days jeremiah something that you said is where <laughs> another place where we're spending time you're absolutely right michael that once the principal gets involved and helps to set the strategy then the executing deliverables that you should be doing or monitoring every day can absolutely be outsourced. And so let's take an example. Um, I'm sure you've seen and your listeners have seen uh, many agency principals say, we'll help anybody with anything as long as it's a product we sell. And you and I both know that everyone is not a target audience, right? right? So um, right away, starting out of the gate, that's not something you could just delegate. You can't just tell somebody, um, hey, generate some leads for me. Hey, I want appointments with decision makers without talking to the gatekeeper. You can't do that. You have to really focus on a niche. So when the principal gets involved in niching, as you know, the old adage, there's riches in niches. Uh -huh. <laughs> when you become that, yeah. that go-to source that, like, for example, let's take you, for example, you could help so many businesses uh, with marketing and operations, yet you've chosen to niche in one industry and a subset of that industry, right? Commercial right. lines. You've, you've like well, dominated or that space. Yeah, or yeah, I mean, let 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 let's say to be to be uh, fully candid, uh, my primary portfolio is comprised of independent insurance agencies, really regardless of their book, and then some um, oh um, adjacent uh, organizations and entities like MGAs and insurtechs, wholesalers, small regionals. But fundamentally, um, yeah, it's it's the independent agency space. And so that niching, uh, yes, there's no question that mm -hmm. the that X amount of energy put into like you know w one niche uh, generates far more than X amount of energy spread across multiple niches or being a generalist. Uh, uh, no question about it. Unequivocal yeah, about the, that. Absolutely, that's a lot of diffusion, right? You're doing yeah, you're a lot of diffusion. Stretching. Right. You know, d d being diffused in all different areas. So let's go into one technique that I think a lot about almost every day uh, that works. That's working very, very well. We've made big investments in the past three years on leveraging LinkedIn for agency principals, uh, whether they're doing commercial lines, uh, employee benefits, or it's for high end life insurance, annuities, financial planning. We all those niches are performing exceedingly well on LinkedIn right now. So we've built a software that works incredibly well to do that. It's fully compliant. It does integrations into all the CRMs through Zapier. So we're mm -hmm. seeing that that's working uh -huh. really well, but that needs to work within a niche, right? So here's, here's an example, two messaging strategies, right? One agency can say, hey, look, I just want to talk to small business owners and uh, in any area, and I can help them, you know, with uh, this these types of policies or these needs. Versus the other one who says, you know, I really want to work with white collar businesses between 50 and 200 employees who have this specific problem. And when we, uh -huh. and when we take that, that problem statement with the unique sales proposition, and there's, you know, elements of psychology and neuroscience that we use in our copywriting, people start replying at a rate that's unbelievable. They're like, yes, I want to talk to you. Uh, actually, before this podcast, I was actually creating a, a, an ad set that we're going to be running, which is us just kind of video scrolling through all of the yeses that one of our clients has gotten of people who say they want to meet with them. And it's so, it's so hyperbolic, oh. the amount of, of leads he's gotten that we actually have to show the proof. Otherwise it sounds like we're making it up. Uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah. we're actually in his inbox and we're actually scrolling through, Hey, here's actually all the yeses he got from decision makers, from CFOs, from folks who uh, can make the decision for this insurance. And if you're interested in learning more, you know, click on this case study. So what we're, what we're focusing on, on right now is leveraging LinkedIn at scale, as well as telling great stories that resonate with your audience through ongoing trips. And here's the other kind of mantra, which, um, you know, all smart marketers know and all great yeah. marketers live by is, mm -hmm. you know, FIFU, fortune is in the follow-up. Fortune is in the follow-up. And what we've seen is that 
while you might be messaging out on LinkedIn, or even this works for cold email as well. We teach a lot of great cold email techniques to get appointments. You know, 20% of your replies will come on the first message, but then the other, it kind of goes down after that, you know, message yeah. two, message three, message four. But once you get message five and six, you almost get the same amount, sometimes even higher replies on messages five and six because people just are too busy. Now, and, so let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, so are you are you doing that? Are your clients doing up to five or six messages on LinkedIn sequenced over time? Absolutely. That's remarkable. Okay. Mandatory. Mandatory. It, mandatory. Okay. No kidding. Mm -hmm. and, um, and now do they get... Um, I'm curious where they start. Do they do they start um, with, um, you know, presumably let's connect like something super generic. Yep. How quick how quickly do they go into, um, you know, the, like uh, what I would call sort of the hard the hard pitch, which is, you know, if you'd like an appointment or something like that. Do they do you have them start with something really soft like. I just published a special report on how electricians can grow or are you, you, you follow me? Do you mm -hmm. start with, do you, do you ever start with like a uh, sort of real top of the funnel content and, and then lead towards uh, the harder content later? What's, what's the sequence? What's your magic? So there's, there's multiple approaches and we customize that based on really where the agency or the agent is at in their timeline. Yeah. The so what we like to do is almost flip the funnel. So, you know, the traditional marketing funnel graphic, right, starts with awareness at the top and then it right. slowly goes down uh, as people get, you know, further and further down the funnel where mm -hmm. there's interest, decision, and then action. How what do you flip it? Yeah. Yeah. So, what we've learned is uh, there's this is one approach. It doesn't work for every industry and it doesn't work for every agency because you really have to have a strong um, a niche chosen and you have to have a very good USP or unique sales proposition. But we flipped the funnel by creating a very strong uh, pain point because we know that industry and we offer a way to have a very quick fix to that solution, a quick immediate fix uh, that's temporary, but at least gets the conversation by asking people for a 15 minute chat. Now, one thing we never do anymore, we never ask for meetings. We don't send our calendar in our uh -huh. calendar yeah. links out anymore at um, all. Do you do, you do at, it later or only or, once and, they've asked only once we've offered it and they've said yes. Okay. Here's, here's another thing too. A lot of people, a lot of LinkedIn spammers have made the world terrible for the genuine marketers. However, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. um, because what they, but, one thing they were doing is they were creating Calendly links and then they were uploading them into Bitly so they could track to see which of their fake avatars were working the best. So now LinkedIn has actually disabled any Bitly type link uh, that's out there. Like, like you can't even click on it. You have to have a legit, you know, calendar link. And I wouldn't be surprised if they later on their algorithm gets smarter and actually eliminates it from, you know, not only your connect message, but your first message, maybe even your second to try to push the boundaries of having authentic conversations. Ah, so no, no bitly links oh, no. Um, in, in LinkedIn messaging. Um, now I, um, I'm also uh, aware that if you put an external link in a post, their algorithm will downgrade you. So the traditional you know, among marketers, the hack has been, as I generally do, I'll put the link down below in the comments. Right. Right. Now, now that being another... said, that being said, I mean, it really would seem like we're, you know, their artificial intelligence is shouldn't be that far away from figuring out what Jans is doing. But so far, it seems to be working still. Yeah, that's still working. Now, here's another thing that is just starting. Now, I don't have enough, I'd say, statistical research to say without a shadow of a doubt. But what we are seeing is that your posts will get recommended more when you are on the platform. So think about that for a second. No kidding. Yep. If you, like we've if, seen that if, if you create a post and you leave, your post will not get as many engagements as if you create a post and you stay on LinkedIn. Now, does keeping the tab open and then moving somewhere else qualify as being on LinkedIn? 
we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, or or do, you, or, do you, or do you maybe just separate it from your browser and put it on the other monitor? Yeah, I would say yeah. that. I mean, if you were well, think about it, right? Why why is that even happening? Well, it's because LinkedIn yeah. gets paid ultimately by how many ads you see, right? Yeah, there's, there's the right. whole revenue stream of of sales nav. With the chief marketing officer of LinkedIn, his bonus is tied to how long the average use is on the platform. Time on site, right? That's okay. Mm -hmm. So you can see how you know their LinkedIn is getting a lot smarter on how you're going to play or leverage their platform. They're saying, "Hey, look, if you're going to post stuff, that's great. We that's free content for us that we're going to leverage and we're going to rank and." We're going to show to other people to help keep time on site. But if you want to do that, we're also going to possibly, and again, I'm just saying this is early days, but possibly we're going to have you stay on the site and keep engaged so that we will recommend your content because now we're keeping you on longer. We don't want you to go off to Facebook and Instagram or anywhere else or Twitter. We want you to stay on LinkedIn. So and, that's yeah, right, right. Don't, don't just you know, buzz through your socials and then leave exactly. us, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That That's fascinating. Do you know when this is, a, I'm curious about this. Do you know when they began to um, downgrade or prohibit the, uh, the, the bit.ly links? We started reporting on that six months ago. Yeah. Okay. I know. I noticed it myself. I noticed it about two or three months ago. So, and mm -hmm. I, and I know not every not everything populates at the exact same time. But I was curious why the the exact same campaign on LinkedIn plummeted in response. So, but I'll boom. tell you something that nobody's doing right now that is actually we've tested it ourselves and we're recommending mm -hmm. to people to do is to use LinkedIn events. Talk about that. So LinkedIn events are, is an available feature uh, that you can create an event uh, which says, you know, hey, I'm doing a, um, a webinar on this topic at this date. And you literally create an event. It shows up under your company page. And then the real power of this is after you create an event, LinkedIn will bring up your entire network and will allow you to invite people to that event. So you can put a URL there. That's that's cool. No problem with the URL there. Uh, you put the URL to the, your webinar or to your Zoom meeting or whatever it is you're doing. And you can hand select who you want to invite. And here's where it shows up. The best part of LinkedIn, which is the, um, the part where your network, where your little notifications are, yeah. which shows you where people have asked to connect with you. And that's a place that almost everybody goes because LinkedIn has smartly built their email system so that when people want to connect with you, if you don't have that feature turned off, you're always getting these emails. So-and-so wants to connect. So you're kind of curious, who is that? So that's the space that takes a lot of eyeballs on LinkedIn more so than other areas. So right there, you might have seen this, Michael, where people say, so-and-so has invited you to join this event. And so it's amazing because it shows up right there. And we just did this at the, as a test one night. I did this at like our power hours. They run at uh, from eight to nine every Wednesday Eastern. And so I did it at seven o'clock and I said, ah, mm -hmm. I'm going to invite a few people just to see what happens. We had within from seven to seven 30, we had 44 people at night <laughs> from their devices uh -huh. say, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, which is free attendees, free opt-ins. That's so outstanding. That's a, yeah. That's a very so cool you, tool. So you, you create the event on your company page. Yeah. Right. So everybody needs a company page, but then um, you, you don't host the event on the company page. You can host the event on another platform. That's correct. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's basically so, like a mini ad for your event is what it is. So if somebody went to, if somebody went to your company page, they'd see what you're doing. Yes. Ah, that's fantastic. All right, my friend. By the way, Michael's taking copious notes. <laughs> well, you, cool. you just taught me something here, friend. So I really, really appreciate that. And Thank and you. I have a feeling you've probably taught something to every single one of our listeners. Again, my biggest concern is, you know, I think the people who listen to this podcast have a passion for growth. Otherwise, why be here, right? 
because um, you know we don't spend a lot of time talking about actuarial science or underwriting, right? Where the focus really is on organic growth. But again, my biggest concern is that uh, you know going back to your first point. A lot of agents will hear this, get excited, and realize this is one more thing on top of how much they already have to do. So, again, I mean, solutions abound, but even to, I'll speak directly to the audience here. To solve this problem, it can't be sort of tossed back into your subconscious and let it bounce around until you forget about it. At a minimum, you need five minutes with a piece of paper and perhaps uh, execute Jeremiah's little exercise and then make a decision because we all want organic growth. The the way to make it happen is probably going to require a little bit of thinking inside the agency. Boom. What else are you thinking about, Jeremiah? Yeah, the the last one actually has nothing to do with marketing, but almost has everything to do with it is, is watching your emotions. And that sounds very, you know, esoteric and woo woo, but I've started training myself that when I show up in situations that might be frustrating, uh, to instead of just be frustrated in a situation, just to kind of step back, almost like I'm a third person watching myself and interact. And it's taken a lot of, uh, you know, marketing, uh, staying on top of marketing and constantly coming up with new uh, initiatives and hacking the system that we love to do uh, ethically, of course, without getting uh-huh. anybody in trouble, um, you yeah. know, takes takes a lot of pushing the envelope. And sometimes you work with folks that either don't get it or don't want to get it. And so I found myself in the past getting, you know, unnecessarily frustrated with that. So kind of stepping out of the situation, looking at myself more as a participant in something as opposed to you know, somebody who's being a victim of an emotion, I thought has been very powerful and yeah. it actually has made me a smarter, uh, I, you know, a smarter marketer in certain ways, because I can also look at other people's emotions objectively as well. Instead of owning whatever's going on, I can just study and analyze. And that's where great copywriting comes from, right? Is really understanding yeah. people's deep emotions, even coming up with truths that they themselves only tell themselves late at night or they don't even know until they, they, they don't saw even it in maybe writing. know. Right, right. Yep, exactly <clears throat> and then right. Say, and, and then they were like, hey, were you in my office? Right. Yeah. That's great, yeah. great and, copywriting. And actually, and actually, you know, as a segue to back back to the marketing uh, conversation is one area that, that's really helped me and is in doing webinars. And that's an area that we're spending a lot of time uh, assisting, growing, and coaching right now is conducting webinars, especially with... <laughs> You know, you you and I have been doing webinars for decades. In fact, when I when I uh, was my first three months at Applied Systems, when I was <laughs> VP of Marketing there, the first thing I did was create a webinar series to educate on. Back in the day, it was moving from you know the uh, the closet server to TAM online, right? Like so, that was one of the big moves <laughs> we were doing. Was everything right. was yeah. moving to the cloud back in that day. And that was um, hey, that was pure controversy back then. Do you I remember? Know. Hey, I mean, I I was I was swimming with the agents, and you were you know whatever in the in the glorified corporate offices of applied. All right, but I I I remember agents like saying, "No way, they're getting my data out of my closet." Yeah. Now now, right. where's everybody? Like, what are you doing? You like how many? How many are still stuck with their data in their closet? Right, not too many. Right? Exactly, exactly. So, what? What? Uh, it's so cool for somebody like me to see webinars totally take off, especially since lockdown, where you know we see the industry has been thrust forward into so many different ways of having to interact, but not knowing how to interact. And you know, Advisorist, Applied Systems, Norvax, which became Go Health. One of our secrets to successes was always webinars um, and doing powerful webinars that bring people together that talk directly to your tribe is one of those areas that I've been privileged to learn so much about this amazing community of agents and advisors, but also create that voice that can create that feedback loop directly back to them. So one of the things, like just a couple of quick tips that I think might help your listeners, um, Choose something like if you're going to do your first webinar, just choose something that you already know 
don't feel like you have to become an expert in something else. It's kind of funny. We, we discount all the great knowledge that we've accumulated. So uh-huh. uh, a while back, actually, this was pr- prior to COVID, we had a commercial lines practice out of the Northeast, and there was a Department of uh, Transportation uh, kind of new guidelines coming out. They had a lot of fleet uh, businesses. They had a lot of trucking companies where they were covering all their, uh, their trucks. So we chose something that was relevant, which was changes into the DOT guidelines. We created a series of three webinars around it, a part one, part two, part three. And we invited everybody in their database on just talking about the updates. Because here's the thing that most people don't understand is that in your industry or your clients' industries, there's going to be updates, um, changes that happen, HR regulations, fleet insurance regulations, or you know, uh, like plumbing regulations, you and I, most advisors, agents think like, oh, they, they understand the regulation. They already got the help. They don't. So if somebody just shows up and says, Hey guys, we're just going to walk you through that update and provide an, an, a venue for Q and a, they're so ecstatic. And you will get people showing up on that class that you'll, would never have talked to you on the phone. Cause they're like, ah, you know, I'm up for renewal in six months or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So by using webinars as a tool to educate first, mm-hmm. we're seeing tremendous database building. We're seeing, tre- and at the end of the Q and a, always they would end up with somebody that said, Hey, can I actually have somebody come in and talk to us? So that's another thing we're spending a lot of time on. Michael is crafting the perfect webinar. Well, I have to tell you, I'm thrilled to hear that. Um, As you can imagine, I did a webinar once a week, every week for I don't know how long. And millions of dollars flowed through the business largely because uh, we had a system to attract an audience. Uh, the topic was was always within the sphere of marketing, but the, you know, the subtopics would change really quite frequently. Um, and, uh, and, and then it, it shocked me that more agents w- weren't saying, hey, <laughs> show me how to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and then when we did, uh, and again, let's say we're going back to my pre-agency revolution days. So we're going back now more than a decade. Uh, it, it was it was a it was a learning barrier that was uh, back then difficult for some to jump. It was just a lot to ask, and yet when you think about it, it's really a system that's very perfectly suited for the independent insurance agent. They're sharing expertise, which is what they do, right? And they yeah. and they they share knowledge that they have that their audience doesn't have, and to the extent that they can communicate that to their existing subsegment, the niche that they're addressing, they, they've always got an audience. And then if they're savvy marketers, they can e- relatively easily find, a, you know, uh, uh, or cultivate a list that would also be in that niche uh, who would be prospects and they can kill two birds with one stone and create deeper, really a, a deeper relationship with everybody. And regardless of where they are in the customer journey, this is a step that takes them one step closer to home. Yeah, so. I couldn't agree more. I absolutely love webinars for all verticals of of business. And it's one of the ones that is the least used in all verticals of insurance. That if one agency principal that's listening to this just said, you know what, we're going to do our first one next month. We're going to mess up. We're going we're gonna to figure it out as we go, but we're just mm-hmm. going to do it you will want to do them over and over again. I've never met somebody that we taught webinars to that was like, you know what? Those stink. I'm never going to do them again. They're all, their next question is, how do we do the next one? Yeah, right. Right on. <laughs> oh. uh, Jeremiah. So uh, I have one last question for you, and then, uh, you know, we'll I'll respect your time. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, in, in the position that you're in now, uh, you can see that the world is changing fairly quickly. What do you see as the, in, in marketing in particular, what do you see as the trends and forces or the um, emerging, uh, emerging trends that agency principals who are serious about growth, what do they need to pay attention to? Wow, that's a great question. There's so many, but I'm going to say one is video. If an agency principal can get it in their head that themselves, including themselves and their team, can start interacting with prospects and current clients with video, it is going to make a big difference in 
uh, the amount of leads they're going to get, the amount of client retention they're going to have. I was just looking at a study this morning, actually, that uh, came out from Fidelity, which showed now, again, this is in the financial niche where mm -hmm. we have a lot of clients, but the use of video has gone up and that people want to do more video engagements as opposed to face-to-face. -face. And in, you know, in a, even in, from transactional, which, you know, the home and auto lines to more, you know, long, long sales cycles like commercial lines has being able to just reach out and create a quick bomb bomb video, a little bonjuro video, put a, put a face and a voice to the name and the person right behind the email. Mm -hmm. It's going to mm -hmm. make a really big difference. It's a, it's that little hinge that swings a big door. And most people are so scared to get in front of video that the ones that are not, it doesn't matter what you look, to be quite honest, doesn't matter how you look. Doesn't matter if you do fat, skinny, black, white, old, young, whatever. Just the fact that you're doing it, you're going to be ahead of 90% of your competitors who are too scared and think that email is just enough anymore. So I'm just going to share. I, I mean, there's I have several trends in my head, but just one so as not to overwhelm. I would say start engaging with people with short little thank you videos, get to know you videos uh, that can be done with BombBomb or from your phone. Right on. Very good. And um, Bomb Bomb or Loom, people could find those. And I think they're probably freemium versions, as I recall, for both. So you can get started for free. Uh, Jeremiah, if um, our listeners want to find out more about what you're up to, learn more from you, um, engage with you somehow, how do you suggest they should do that? Sure. Thank you so much. You could check out advisorist.com advisorist.com. And if you want to join our free weekly tribe, where from eight to nine Eastern, every single Wednesday without fail, we teach techniques and strategies that most people charge thousands of dollars for to learn. You can learn about that at advisors.com or go to virtual advisor PH, which stands for power hour, virtual advisor PH.com forward slash join. And we'll see you live every Wednesday at eight o'clock. Very good. Uh, Jeremiah, as always, was a uh, privilege to spend some time with you, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for the audience. I know I'm speaking for myself. I learned stuff, so <laughs> thank you. I re really, really, really appreciate it. I uh, look forward to our next conversation. Same here. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.